Listener Production. We're the smiley face made out of chocolate chips and your fluffy weekend pancakes. Yummy, 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 yummy. It's Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. G'day there, Matt and Alex with you. Matt in the thriving, thriving metropolis of Sydney. Alex Dyson joining you from the burnt barren hellscape that is the world's most livable city, Melbourne, Australia. Goodness gracious, Matt. Where were you when the earthquake struck yesterday? <laughs> well, I'm a bit sad because I went for a walk and got home and then the social media is like, there was an earthquake in Melbourne and then one of the neighbours is like, yeah, our whole building was shaking. And my sister's like, who lives near Chapel Street, where pretty much all of the footage that you saw was filmed next to a single burger joint with some rubble around it. Yeah. Um, I was, yeah, so I, I kind of missed it. I'm just hearing everyone else's stories, but it was, it was pretty wild. Bron, producer Bron felt it. Oh, yep. I, I felt it while I was on the phone to IT and then was just a very confused, like, um, I think there might be an earthquake happening. <laughs> and he was like, do you need to go? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> did you go or did you just keep, you know, I will, turn it, on, turn I it off like you again, not on again? You left your post here at All Day Breakfast, Bron. <laughs> yeah. we, we were told to evacuate shortly after. So. Okay. Goodness me. Well, it was funny talking to someone. No, I can't leave Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Podcasts are an essential service. <laughs> Um, but I was chatting to someone, um, one of uh, the incredible people that work at Comedy Republic was setting up some cameras for our first live stream because you're allowed to live stream with five people now putting on a comedy show. Set up these cameras just sort of perched on these little tripods that they're leaving said um, on the way out going literally yet bef- the day before the earthquake, oh, it's good we don't live in a place that has lots of earthquakes, so that would be dangerous because that would topple they over. They said that. Next day, Melbourne has its uh, They did 5.8. it! It's them! They like, jinxed ya! Well, Jess, I'm looking at you. It could be you. I don't know. I don't want to put it on put it on anyone, but uh, we want it to end, and that's why we've got an incredible guest up next. Mr. John Safran will be joining us, and I'm pretty happy to get John on the show, Matt, because he once stopped the curse of the Australian soccer team who couldn't win after a uh, curse was placed on them. We'll get him to explain exactly what happened, but uh, he's going to be joining us very soon. He's also got an incredible new book called Puff Peace, which is out. We'll get to that. And it's also a, a big day in the um, Alex Dyson camp, Matt, because um, my moment to shine is here. Yeah, we're chatting to a writer from one of Australia's most beloved television dramas, Neighbours, and they're going to be giving you the thumbs up or the thumbs down over your storyline uh, with your Sims family. You've been trying to get some hot goss happening, some some salacious scandals going mm. on inside your PC and so we'll see whether it uh, it you know cuts the cake when it comes to TV drama yeah I'm actually going to try and convince the writer from Neighbours to put my storyline into the show we'll see how it goes he's joining us later on uh, but it should be good Mind Blown is in as well it's fun times here with your boys Matt and Alex on All Day Breakfast hope you're well let's get this show on the road let's go here we go here we go here we go Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast well, Matt's so excited to catch up with someone who uh, knows all about Melbourne. So the perfect person to bring on on a day like this where it has been front and centre at the headlines. It's, it was interesting watching ABC News 24 and going, all right, let's cross from Melbourne and head south to South Yarra in Melbourne now to, uh, <laughs> to see what's going on there. Uh, we find someone who's joining us there. Uh, he's an incredible uh, broadcaster and journalist, John Safran. G'day, man. Hey, how are you? God, what a crazy plot twist. 
Man, we're talking, well, talking, we're talking to a, a, one of the screenwriters of Neighbours <laughs> later on, and they're not going to have a they're going to have a lot to say about the uh, the scripting of of Melbourne do, for sure. Do you know? Do you know? I had a CD rattle off a bookshelf in my bedroom and land on the floor. Wow! Which which sort of like is nothing compared to you know one of those movies like. 2012. Who's, who's that filmmaker? Yeah, day after tomorrow. I don't know day who after made tomorrow. Yeah. I realize yeah. it's not that, but compared with like nothing, for, <laughs> nothing for decades. Yeah. It's not like, oh, remember, it's not like an earthquake in Melbourne is like a bushfire where it's like, oh, well, it's a tragedy or, but you know, sometimes they do happen. It's like, where, what, what's going on? Why yeah. was well, it also, an earthquake in because- Melbourne? But with all the everything else that's going on, you're not going to think, "Oh, that's an earthquake." Like I would go yeah. to something's exploding, like you know, and I would, yeah. I'd freak, you know. So it's just you, things piling on top of each other. It's wild, and because um, I don't really know a lot about science and stuff, I was and thinking like maybe it's like the hot water system in my apartment. (laughs) So many people thought it was their washing machine. Yeah. So many people on Twitter were like, I thought, I thought my washing was just rattling away. It was pretty incredible. I mean, and I, I think it's only fair we get you on John because you were single-handedly credited with reversing the fortunes of the Australian soccer team when they were cursed Uh, yes. In a voodoo curse uh, for a World Cup victory, you lifted the curse, and Correct. Australia went back to the World Cup. That's true. We need Facts. you to help us lift the curse on Melbourne. What could you do, John? Uh, there, there's a, there's only so much to my powers, you know. So <laughs> what 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 did you do the first time? So I'd heard grumblings, including by Johnny Warren, former uh, Socceroo. Um, but, and he was still alive then, that he felt that the Socceroos were not going to be able to get into the World Cup finals unless this curse that was placed on them. Because they played, I think it was then Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe or whatever, but they are playing them. And then a witch doctor said he'd help out the Australian team win if they, like, paid him. And so they said, sure, the Socceroos. And then, like... Total dirtbag tourists. <laughs> <laughs> once, once they did like apparently, like he planted this, um, planted something near the goalposts or whatever, and then Australia did win against Rhodesia, and but then they nicked off, and and the and the and the witch doctor was said, oh, if you don't pay, I'm going to curse you. And then Johnny Warren was in all seriousness. Like he wasn't doing shtick. He wasn't being ironic or anything. He, he was like, we have not been able to get into the World Cup finals since then, and it's all because of the curse. You so, always pay your witch doctor. Whenever that witch like doctor the, invoice comes through, don't leave it in the in-tray. I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure that should be the next campaign for Medicare. You know, it should be bulk build witch doctory. Yeah, and exactly. so I, so I went over for an SBS show. I, I went over there and uh, went to the stadium where they played the match, and I got chicken blood. I got a witch doctor. We couldn't track down the original one, um, but we I got a witch doctor to t- remove the curse, and that involved me having to sit there in the stadium, and uh, a chicken was sacrificed. And uh, the blood was put over me. And they, then they Australia eat, they got the into chicken. the World Cup, the, the very yeah, next they World eat, Cup. They eat the chicken, by the way, because I know some people are like, John, isn't that like poor taste? But it's like it was like it was like a free-range slaughter, if you want to look at it that way. 
Like and then was, they ate the chicken afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I know. They eat the chicken. It was a very woke mm. animal sacrifice. <laughs> a very woke with like Compared <laughs> with factory farming because like poor people eat the chicken afterwards. So mm. what, why, what have you got against poor people? Anyone <laughs> complain? Turn it, turn it back I'm having like a meltdown in my head that no <laughs> listeners think I'm throwing yeah. this train of thought That's that okay. no <laughs> listeners actually kind of like thinking. Well, what do you think Melbourne has done to become cursed? Did we, uh, did we uh, get on the top of the most livable city list too often? <laughs> what did we sacrifice originally think, to get this curse put upon the city? Definitely the big Melbourne sin. What's that sin where you only think about yourself? Because I find it interesting that, like people from Adelaide or people, sometimes people from Sydney, they think that like Melbourne people like hate them or whatever. And it's like, no, 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 no. Melbourne people are so self-absorbed. They don't think about you one way or the other. It's sort of like you, you occasionally see these articles where they try to play up this whole Sydney-Melbourne rivalry and blah, 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 blah. It's like New York and LA. And it's like outside of AFL footy, I've never heard like a Melbourneite, like say anything bad about anyone from That's Sydney or Adelaide. That's a lie, man. No, As I've... a Sydney sider, I I reckon <laughs> oh, Melbourne. Here we go. So, <laughs> I've got all the beef with Sydney, and Sydney are the ones who just do not care at all. We're just okay. living our I best found life, moving man. up. Sydney is like, yeah, I'd love to go to Melbourne for the weekend. And Melbourne <laughs> people are like, oh, no, as if you go I to Sydney. Been, maybe. I must have been out of the room every time someone in Melbourne has said something about like Sydney people. I remember when I was in Sydney. I was in this uh, this balcony of this hotel for this conference and I was looking out at the Sydney Opera House and Harbour Bridge and there was another guy who happened to be from Melbourne. Next to me, I go, is that beautiful? And he goes, yeah. And then it was like I thought there's no Melbourne people who are, who are like stewing, like, oh, my God, I can't believe the Sydney Opera House was featured in that film <laughs> when, we've got, when we've got the art centre's fire. It's like I know it sounds like something that should be, but it's kind of – not. So, John, let's talk about Puff Peas. This, uh, yes. It seems like a book about, you know, the, the smoking industry, Philip Morris, and the kind of movement towards vaping. What, what caught your interest in this? Um, the uh, World Health Organization has a no tobacco day each year because, you know, they're against cancer. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and a couple of World No Tobacco Days ago, <laughs> Philip Morris, yeah, the Melbourne people, the world's largest cigarette company, they took out a full page ad in the newspaper saying that they were going to shut down as a cigarette company and relaunch as a health enterprise to try to get the one billion smokers of the world, including their own customers, off cigarettes. Now, that is like, one of the biggest UEs that's ever been chucked. <laughs> I know. And I took it at face. Well, I didn't take it at face, but I, I was going, this could be a thing. Like, you know, like the Berlin Wall fell, you know, apartheid ended. It, like, it, Maybe it's just like this thing that's going to happen. Mm. And I did a bit of snooping around and you wouldn't believe it. You can't take what the makers of Melbourne cigarettes say <laughs> and face they you all the time. Okay. The, the, the makers of Melbourne cigarettes can sometimes have these like slippery little second agendas. Right. And so in this case, um, across Europe last year, they banned menthol cigarettes and Philip Morris were like, oh, this is just the start. They're going to end up just banning all cigarettes. So the whole business is going to be over. It's a slippery slope. Yes, a slippery slope, yes. <laughs> so they uh, said, oh, listen, um, fine, we'll go along with that. We'll stop producing uh, menthol cigarettes. And then they said, listen, while well, we've got your attention, actually we've got this new product, it's a heat stick. 
And they hold up the heat stick. And it's, <laughs> no lie. It's tobacco rolled in paper with a filter at one end that you plant between your lips, inhaling nicotine and tobacco into your lungs. So this isn't a vape. This is their own thing. It's called a heat stick. And <laughs> Wait, seriously? Yeah, I swear to God. And then the crazy thing is it worked. So across Europe last year on the day, it's like well, menthol cigarettes all banned. And then it's like, yeah, but you can still go around and, but, you know, that's what they launched their new menthol heat sticks. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they were menthol flavoured heat, heat sticks. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I just wish next time I was like in a fight with like a girlfriend or my parents or a relative, I had like Philip Morris executives yeah. sort of like on my side. <laughs> Using the help, word. Helping me out. Yeah. With, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not <laughs> cheating. It's sampling a yes. separate uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, heat <laughs> stick. I can't, tell you, I can't tell you how much, how often whilst researching this book, I was like driving my car and like something I'd read like three weeks before that I'd mm-hmm. taken on Facebook from someone I was like, Hang on. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> and I'd been like duped once again. Well, John, so, the good yeah. thing about um, this, they're so good, as you say, brilliant at coming up with these um, ways around some particular rules. They also have some very good lawyers. What did you have to do to make sure that this particular book, Puff Piece by John Safran, oh, yes. didn't do anything that could be construed as uh, something uh, def- defamatory? <laughs> this was the first book where... Uh, Penguin Random House put me with a lawyer before I started, you know. For, like they, they're usually not like that. They're not that concerned about A lawyer things. looks like, over like, the finished product. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so my first book was like, oh, anyway, Penguin, I'm going to go to Mississippi to spend time in, a, in the woods with a Klansman. And they're like, oh, sure, okay, fine. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, do you want me to ring you when I get there? Like, just to tell you, like, I haven't been lynched by the Klansmen. And they're like, no, don't worry, just whatever. Yeah. So, and same with the, my book on extremists, it was the same kind of thing. But yeah, this, as soon as it's like Philip Morris. Cigarettes, started, they're yes. like, we've got security for you. <laughs> yeah. So that your book doesn't turn into cigarettes. Yeah. That's why I feel like they're just going to churn it up and Philip will smoke it himself. Um, but I am, I, I am wondering whether, like, are they just biding their time? Because the book's been out a couple of weeks and they haven't, like, jumped on me yet. But, yeah, I don't know. It's hard well, to I tell. Wondered what- whether, I wondered whether it was actually whether you'd been paid by them to write it. See, what's, oh, yeah. what's, what's to say that you're not trying to make do an expose <gasps> on them yeah, to talk that, well, more about cigarettes? I mean, we never would have talked about cigarettes on our show. Suddenly we've been talking about it for 10 minutes. <laughs> so I bet there's someone well, going no, far a heat stick like production a had, had existed <laughs> and now all our audience knows that you can go over Europe and get a heat stick if you need. <laughs> At the start of the book, I thought I'd try to get addicted to cigarettes because I thought that might be good for the storyline. And it just wasn't working. <laughs> <laughs> or vaping. Or vaping or whatever. Yeah. I, I just thought How'd it'd be good for go? the storyline. No, it just wasn't working. Like mm-hmm. I'd be, I'd vape, and I'd be like addicted for whatever twenty four hours, and then it was like a week later. I realized I didn't know where the vape was because I'd kind of left it somewhere, <laughs> and I, I didn't, I hadn't noticed. So I just could not get addicted. And then I just thought, then I just thought, I oh, listen, like. Uh, do I really want to get cancer just to have like this good stick for the book? Because you, well, you've done you've done some pretty harmful things to your body yeah. in the past. You got yeah, crucified at one point, yeah, John. You the had the nails true. nails put through your hand. That was detrimental to your health. I would have thought. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess so. And it's also it's really good. I've done all this stuff because it means I can't finger wag and be self. I like that. That's off the table. No one's going to have a book with me, John going. Listen, guys, you really should. And it's like, I think the guy who took peyote on TV. And 
Yeah, you've set yourself up for that one, John. But look, the new yep. book is out now. It is called Puff Piece. A very, very interesting read indeed. And John, we cannot thank you enough for joining us here on All Day Breakfast. We'll um, let you get back to get back to your uh, great Melbourne life. Try and get us out of this curse, please, my man. Excellent. Thank you very much. Well, Matt, it now comes to the time of the show where people's brains get shooketh on the Richter scale by your mind-blowing facts. You got a uh, you got a five point eight for us today. You're going to be down at the zero point twos and get, getting a mild groan <laughs> out of the um, Earth's crust. Uh, look, I'm going to hit you with a big one, which I was quite shocked at, okay? Um, I've been watching a lot of H2O Just Add Water with Sophia over the past week, introduced her to the world in which, you know, her dad plays Laurie the dolphin trainer in five out of something like 70 episodes. But anyways, <laughs> not only was she impressed with her dad on screen, i.e. me, she was impressed by another character called Will Benjamin, all right? Now, Will Benjamin is a sea-loving person and uh, is a free diver in the show. Now, I didn't really understand what free diving was, but I looked up the Different character Different from bio. a free loader as well, which is something <laughs> you want to definitely... steer clear of. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, he spends a lot more time in the water, less time on the couch eating noodles. But, um, <laughs> but where Benjamin, Will Benjamin, in the bio of the character said, oh, this character is known to dive up to 50 metres. And I thought, well, that's a bit ridiculous. I mean, granted, it's a show about mermaids, but let's not (laughs) just start making things up. Uh, So he wasn't a mermaid. The mermaids can (laughs) dive more than 50 metres. He can... Yeah, but he can just... He's a human who can dive 50... I thought, that's ridiculous. Sure. At least let me, you know, suspend my disbelief a little bit. Because the diving pool... I tried to swim to the bottom of the Warrnambool uh, Aquatic Centre diving pool, which is, what, three metres deep at one point. Awful. I couldn't get down there. Five meters at your yeah the proper diving pool. It's like it's so deep. Guess what the deepest dive that anyone has ever done? Like a free dive, so no scuba tank. Forty nine meters. You can use weights to get down there a little bit. Forty nine, but meters. Two hundred and fourteen meters. Seriously, wow. Two hundred and fourteen. 200 metres. That's lower than James Cameron in one of his little scuba buddy buggies. <laughs> what? That's- he, used an air, he used an air balloon once he got to the bottom to fill up on water, but 200... That's- Wait, <laughs> fill up on oxygen. Oxygen, yes. <laughs> the last thing you need is more water. Yeah, I think he must have been full of the H2O, just add water but, down there. But that's... But, so, but yeah. you can have a little sip of oxygen when you get to the bottom like you're halfway like through a, a marathon. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You just throw the oxygen on your face as you're swimming back up to the top. But the, the deepest, it's well over 100 metres without any weight, without any oxygen, nothing, like without any balloons, nothing, like just holding your breath. Uh, I think it's 116 metres. Because I know those free divers with the, like they put on, they don't just put on fins with a flipper, they put on like a big shark double footer <laughs> and they just they start the, going down they, like a like a porpoise they, to the bottom. They they put the old Tony Soprano concrete shoes on. <laughs> go, go swimming in the Hudson. Yeah, the uh, the, invol- the involuntary free dive, as it's known around uh, the For rivers snitching. of Chicago in the thirties. Now, um, let's go. Let's turn to your, let's turn to you, the listeners, uh, brilliant mind blowns that you do like sending us each week. We love to have our minds uh, in, impacted by these incredible facts. First up. Let's have a listen to Mitch, who's got a fact for us. Did you know that 
The expression be there, be square originated from the fact that you're not around. Mind? Possibly blown, I'm not sure. Be there or be square. If you're not there, you're square. If you are there, you're around. (laughs) (laughs) Very well thought through. Mitch for that one. Amy has also got in touch with a fact about bananas. So my mind was recently blown um, because I found out that bananas have segments, which I did not realise, and they are the only fruit that have three segments. Bananas have segments? What? Like mandarins? Let's let's get something straight here. Bananas are not segmented like no, bananas are not as good as mandarins when it comes to segmentation. All right, and but, seg, mandarins are the gold standard of segmentation fruit. So I was thinking like segments, as in they're they're ch- you chop them along the line. But I guess yeah, up through the middle and along the curve. If you look Bron, at the you, middle of a of a banana, you can are you see nodding, Bron. Yeah, I think it's the three segments of the entire long, the horizontal segments. So not, you yeah, can technically peel the banana and then peel the actual banana into three. Yeah. All right. Mm, I don't know. I'm. I'm. I just well, don't if, understand it. If they do, mind blown. But I'm going to go home and crack a nani and uh, really check the the innards there. Um, and finally, let's go to Hayden, who's got a fact about cashews. Just listening to Thursday's episode about the uh, fact of where pine nuts come from, from the pine cones. What I found more mind-blowing is that the cashew comes from a fruit. It's a fruit tree and the cashew grows on the bottom of a yellow fruit and we just eat the cashews from the fruit and I assume the fruit just goes in the bin. Um, That blew my mind. So the the cashew nut, which is that small brown, almost banana-shaped nut, hangs off the bottom of a fruit, like that some kind of... um testicle or something from the well, f- from the fruit. How gutted would you be if you were the fruit? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like absolutely no respect in the food world whatsoever at all. I didn't even know what it looks like. Yeah, all right, I'm going to have to look up photos of uh, of cashews there. Incredible facts. Thank you very much. Please keep sending them through to matt.and.alex. Uh, record your little voice giving us a, uh, a mind-blowing fact and you it's can be... It's a cashew apple. And so no one eats cashew apples. No, it's a cashew apple accessory fruit. <laughs> that's what that's what it's called. Imagine imagine being the cashew's handbag. That is absolutely outrageous. There you go. Uh, that's what I did. I'll send him through and let's uh, blow some minds. All day breakfast. Now, Matt, it is time to welcome a guest to the show uh, who has a very, very big role uh, in a TV show we were talking about recently. The Australian, I think it's fair to say, institution, Neighbours, is uh, the show we're talking about. It's time to welcome uh, one of the writers behind the scripts that happened on Neighbours. His name is Shane Ishiv, joining us now live from the home office. G'day, Shane. Hi, guys. How are you going? What would people who are familiar with the show know as your handiwork? Are there any particular ideas that you've brought to Neighbours that could have been a direction that uh, you might have had a little bit of uh, a hand in? Oh, look, I'm very proud of um, a storyline we did a while ago with um, Paul Robinson's child, Robert, who is in a maximum security prison. And uh, he got released because um, his brother, David, needed a kidney 
And of course, as you can imagine, while he was in hospital, he um, he escaped and and all hell broke loose over Christmas. And and he also not only did he escape, but he took his kidney with him. So his poor brother was lying <laughs> oh, no. in the hospital. Um, oh, and so devastation! Yeah, it was a real um, a real big Christmas cliffhanger. We had uh, we got out of it, so it was um, that was a lot of fun. But I I, I really liked the more crazy heightened stories um uh, that's what i often bring to the table well, so that's the thing because people can see these sort of ones have you been going for so long like you need to you know know where neighbors has been know where it's going come up with these new and inventive storylines and people can go well that is absolutely outrageous that would never happen and then you have days like melbourne had this week and there's an earthquake and there's <laughs> riots and there's exactly, a global exactly. pandemic and you go well have a look at this yep. <laughs> I mean, a couple of years ago, the show even did a tornado and I remember everyone um, saying that was ridiculous, you know, especially in, in our part of the world. But um, uh, no, I think it was only a couple of months either after it aired, there was some sort of tornado somewhere in Victoria that we, you know, there's, look, it, we have a rule where if it is at all possible, it's definitely happening in Aaronsborough. And does, do the ideas sort of get floated around in a, in a writer's room? Does everyone sort of sit around in a big room and go, oh, what if a tornado comes? And everyone goes, I thought a tornado wouldn't come. And then, you know, you argue about that for the, the, the day. Yeah, it's definitely like that. It's very collaborative. There's ideas coming from um, everyone in the team, not even necessarily even in the writer's room. You know, if, if, if you've got an interesting story, whether you're, you know, a producer or one of the actors, um, yeah, there's, we're always open to pitches. But my job basically is, is, is to come up with, with all the story ideas in conjunction with the team and, and um, and our executive producer Jason and script user Kate, so kind of it is very collaborative. We've got a team which constantly is just pitching new ideas. You know, we're mapping out um, uh, currently mapping out next year and kind of all the exciting twists and turns we want to do there. And yeah, it's just um, it's a safe space. No idea yeah. is a bad idea, but you know, then uh, you kind of shoot for the stars in, in terms of what you want to try and achieve, and then. Uh, then you get to the reality of budgets and production and of cast course. availability and yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like an incredible collaborative thing and those idea generation must be so much fun but is there uh, a couple that you haven't have been able to put in or you think, you know, that the ideas, they weren't bad ideas but they might have not been appropriate for neighbours at the particular point in time? Oh, look, I think there's um, a lot of people I know have kind of dropped off from neighbours and I don't think they actually really understand just how, uh, scandalous the show is these days and kind of the boundaries we are pushing. Like it isn't just a squabble over the wheelie bins anymore. <laughs> it, is, um, <laughs> it is quite, um, you know, uh, we do like to push the boundaries and, and kind of try new things. I mean, we've got a, a, a polyamory story just playing out at the moment, which is a first for the show. And, and um, uh, all the ideas I think that um, have never made it to screen that I kind of really wanted to tell or had a soft spot for, they're still in the they're still in the library. They're still there to be um, waiting waiting uh, to have a to look be at. Used. Yeah, it's all about timing. You've got to, for sure, pace these things out. So um, Shane, you mentioned that one of your favourites was Paul Robinson's son getting out of jail with the kidney and getting on the run. What are, what are some of the what are some of the storylines that everyone in Neighbours, especially the writing team, go, oh, that was a classic? And, I mean, the first one that I think of, Carl Kennedy, Susan, the affair <laughs> with Nicole, was it? Or maybe that was the actor's name? It was It was um, Carl and Sarah had the affair. Sarah, um, that's right. And she was 
played by Nicola Charles. Yes, that's where yes, you get okay. Nicole element. So that, yeah. and then Harold going missing and then coming back. Yeah. So, are there any others that that you just you just have to mention names and people in the writers' room and go, oh, that was a classic. Well, I'm. I think most people remember Dee going um, on her wedding day with Tony, going off the cliff um, in, oh, in the car. Yeah. So I mean, anyone who gets aware. married in a anyone who gets married in neighbours or home and away, <laughs> it's it's goodbye as far as I'm concerned. Exactly, exactly. No, <laughs> you may not be aware though, but Dee returned from the dead 16 years later, or however long it was. So we actually had um, the character come back a few years ago, and then we had the big twist that it actually wasn't Dee; it was an imposter who looked oh, exactly like her. This um, is <laughs> scandalous. Yes. Very much so. And then, of course, what we ended up finding out was um, uh, this was actually the twin sister of Dee that Dee never knew about and the real Dee was actually still alive. So we had the tale of two Dees and they had a big fight on the cliff, on the cliff top, and one of them went over and we didn't know which Dee. Was it the real Dee or was it the fake Dee? Goodness me. Well, it goes to show that you and the team at Neighbours are not afraid to push the envelope when it comes to these storylines, particularly when it comes to a few scandalous storylines. As and as yes, someone we who went, love a, we love a sexy scandal, that's for sure. Well, as someone who uh, has recently been creating my own storylines, Shane, in my own time, I thought I would pitch you a little story for Neighbours just to see whether we could potentially get something in the show. I know you plenty of ideas get thrown around. You're very open to them, so I thought I would pitch it to you. Um, yep. A new girl moves to Ramsey, Ramsey Street, Epiphany Jones, okay? She's young, she's fresh, okay. she's into computer coding, okay? Has a job where she goes there five days a week. But as she's moved to town, people are very friendly, meet someone on a, jo- on a jog, Bella Goff, all right? They got along very nicely, okay? Things start to develop. Uh-oh, Bella Goth's got a husband, all right? Epiphany's shattered, but goes along to the birthday party anyway. Turns out, after a few compliments, a little bit of flirting, some sparks are flying, a birthday party pash at the Goth residence happens, okay? The husband, Montgomery Goth, sees it, goes nuts. They break out. Bella moves in with Epiphany. They start a new life together, okay? Next minute, the toilet breaks and a plumber needs to come around and fix the toilet whilst Bella is at work coding, all right? The plumber comes in, gets along with Bella. They get it on the jacuzzi. Then next minute, Epiphany comes home from work, sparks flight, there's a fight. The plumber has to go off. Bella goes for a run to cool off. She dies on a run, okay? (laughs) Then the daughter comes around to visit, Bella's daughter from her marriage, okay? They're both in mourning. Suddenly they get along. Obviously Epiphany, very sad at Bella's departure, but sees something in the daughter, okay, from Bella. They get together, move in together, a new romance is formed, intergenerational loving. What do you reckon, Shane? Wow. Um, Look... Uh, first thing I'll say is, Alex, that's the exact type of pitching we love in the Neighbours Writers' Room. I think the energy, the enthusiasm, it, it was like I was back at work. Oh, um, fantastic. I think I can, um, to start it seems with tame. Some of it seems tame compared to what you've been talking talking about well, so far. Uh, the thing is, the problem, the number one you think, thing you hear in the writer's room is, I'm sorry we've already done that. I'm sorry we've already done <laughs> yeah, that. Of course. I'm sorry we've already done that. And because the show's been going on for so long, obviously. But look, it's definitely a story that um, is perfect for neighbours. But unfortunately, we've been telling uh, versions of this story in recent, you know, years. <sighs> like I'm, 
We had Ellie who was um, about to marry Mark and the night before the wedding she slept with Mark's sister, Chloe. Oh. Uh, no, sorry. Yes, Chloe, yes. I'm getting confused. <laughs> then we had um, Paul and Therese in their on-again, off-again relationship. Right. Um, Therese ended up having an affair with Paul's son, Leo. You're breaking then- my heart, Ishay, because when I told this story on the podcast, because this is a true story that happened to my Sim family, okay, mm-hmm. I told this on the podcast, everyone's like, oh, Alex, you sicko. Why would you do Why would you do this? Why would you make this happen? Now, it's child's play. It's, it's happens child's happens play. All the, the name is crew. yeah. And then like when Leo and Therese broke up, Leo then had an affair with Therese's daughter, Piper. So it's all very (laughs) incestuous and ancestry. (laughs) So, look, you're on the money. The ideas are good. The ideas are good. It's just, um, yeah, we're kind of, we've told versions of those stories um, in recent memory. And so we'd have to have a little bit of a break before we could look at including Epiphany and Bella and the daughter and... (laughs) All these wonderful characters you've got in this, you know, right, that'd look. go in the library. Alex, well, look, I think that's look. going in the library. <laughs> right, pop it in the vault, Jane, ready to go. Alex yeah. will go back to the drawing board. Maybe yep. it's time to just start a whole new Sims family. Yeah. Really yes. get cooking. I some- oh, look, honestly, Alex, that's exactly what I'd be saying to my team. Mm-hmm. I'd be going, all right, the idea is great, the inherent drama's there. But what's the new take? What's something okay. even bigger that we can well, deliver? Because that's what the Neighbours fans expect from us these all days. Right. Well, in a, sh- in a few months, Shane, we'll try and get you back on All Day Breakfast. I'll get my thinking cap on and see if I can pitch you the next Neighbours plot um, a few months down the track, see how we go. All right, no worries. I think you should start tuning in and make sure you kind of, so you're at least um, yes. familiar oh. with what's currently there. We've got baby swaps happening at the moment. We've got, um, yeah, like I said, the polyamory, so... It's it's, uh, all right. it's it's all about timing, right timing. Well, I'll be joining the many people who jump on 10 Peach at 6.30pm weeknights to catch Neighbours. Make sure you tune in because I maybe as a full podcast, all of us can come together, pitch some ideas here and we can be a funnel for the best ideas to throw over to you, Shane, because it would be an honour to even have a, uh, a small modicum of input in one of Australia's most incredible shows. So thank you so much for joining us, telling us a bit about your job in the writer's room at Neighbours and uh, all the best with the rest of the show. And if you do want to follow Shane's work at Shane Ishiv on Twitter as well. You can uh, keep in touch with Shane there. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. Order up. Just how you like it. Perfect. Well, Matt, spring has well and truly sprung. Now, it's still still springing. The spring's still going up towards the, the sky. Mate, it's like a and slinky. It certainly is. It's Just. still in a Springing down those steps. An upwards trajectory on the parabola. Um, but you know what that you know what that means, don't you? Hay fever. Well, true. True. Bloody um, pollen, mate. There's a lot of itchy lot eyes, of, that's what it means. There are a lot of dangerous things floating around in the air. That's right. That can irritate an unsuspecting person. You're absolutely right. But I'm thinking of something a little bit bigger. Ooh, what are we talking here? Something that doesn't mind a little bit of a warble. It's swooping season, baby. Oh, bro, I saw someone get get got. You saw someone Pretty get terrifying. Got? Well, yeah, I think it was some sort of butcher birds. Right, the butcher birds are out I as mean, well because I'm thinking the magpies, but the butcher birds they they got know, the cleavers out as well. Yeah, why are they called butcher birds? Do we have to have such? Oh, man. Attacking the red meat of human flesh to, you know, 
name them as such? I don't know. Well, I'm just thinking of these magpies who take one good look at you from their branch and they start going for you. And no one has has suffered more than this that I've been in, in my life than my old man, Ian Dyson, um, <laughs> a.k.a. the cowboy of Warrnambool because... <laughs> the walking bike helmet. Please. Has he got the... Uh, the <laughs> Has he got the cable the, ties? The cable ties sticking the up helmet? the top of the hat? No, 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 no. That's that's. What is he, what is he a wearing the glasses on the back of the head kind of guy? <laughs> no, 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 that's child's play, mate. That is absolute child's play. Because you see these, you know, I mean, no, no offence, but you see these bozos <laughs> riding down the street like Pinhead from, what's that movie? <laughs> from Hellraiser. From Hellraiser going down. The magpies take one look at that. And I tell you what, they cackle to each other at the futile nature of these people. No, no, no. Bro, They've do got, you remember going got, into the video store and seeing Hellraiser? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you Terrified. scared the hell out of me. Just the front cover of that VHR was <laughs> enough to... I used to watch that and think, that is the scariest movie of all time. I oh, never saw it. I never saw it. Never watched I- it either. Never seen it. I just know <laughs> that cover is etched into my mind. <laughs> Seared into my brain. Much like the talons of a magpie for anyone who like does something like draws a face on the back of their helmet or something. Oh, absolutely spit upon. But the cowboy of Warrnambool, old Ian Dyson, no, no, no. He is the only one that our feathered friends fear because he's... Come up with a new technique. Wait to, to get rid of them. Get rid of the magpies. I think that, have you, did you tell me this? Uh, like I may have mentioned it in passing. <laughs> I may have mentioned it in passing, but Dad told me on the phone the other day, and the image is is such that I thought it deserved a, an elaborate retelling because when he goes out for a ride, when he goes down the shops to get some specials, mm-hmm. he sent a photo to Woods the other day just of some. Atlantic salmon, one dollar ninety five reduced from ten. I mean, the guy's he's he's good <laughs> he's in many areas. <laughs> yeah, that should be his specialty. You know what I mean? Like like some people are you know, Leonardo da Vinci specialized mm. paintings, inventions. Your well, dad is a specialized specials. Yeah, we seeker. do. We do need to. If you're a listener, you want Ian Dyson to take you on a tour of the shops and bring your bill down. <laughs> I want to organise that for someone because I reckon we can make it happen. Anyway, I digress because like Mr. Da Vinci, Dad also invented a bit of a gyrocopter because his method, he packs the skipping rope in the backpack. So when he gets to the top of our hill, a little stop, it's two blocks to home, little stop. The skipping rope comes out and then off he goes down the hill, spinning the skipping rope over his head like a cowboy about to lasso a little calf in the rodeo. And I tell you what, the magpies don't have a clue what to do with that information because there's no way they're going to penetrate that spinning copter blade to try and get through to the soft, fleshy scalp beneath it. The magpies don't have a clue, and nor do any of the <laughs> passerbys who are driving along thinking, that guy doesn't know how to use a skipping rope. <laughs> what, has this guy never skipped before? But I tell you what, you talk about effectiveness, mates. That is what's going to stop these bloody magpies coming in. So thought of a public service announcement oh for you right God. now. If the magpies are getting you, getting you got, 
just head down and pick up the skipping rope. Um, any rope would probably work, but, you know, that little weighty bit handle at the end of the skipping rope, I think it provides the excellent inertia required to no, uh, make sure that the magpies aren't getting through it. Surely he's halving the rope and holding both handles. He's not just holding the full head. Surely not. I don't not. think he's holding the full head. I mean, you'd knock a wing mirror off with that technique <laughs> going around. But, uh, yeah, if anyone's being bothered by the uh, the pesky pies in the next little while, skipping rope. There's my my uh, answer to you. Nah, look, if you want my honest opinion, it's got the same copter vibe, but I reckon we go the helicopter hat. <laughs> All right? Just extend not the only- blades a little bit. <laughs> yeah, extend the blades a little bit. Not only will it deter the magpies, but it it is known to make your jokes extra wacky. That is true. (laughs) You do get the uh, the 10% joke GST (laughs) sitting on top of it with the funny (laughs) propeller hat. And, in fact, it's a known fact (laughs) that if you put a flower on your shirt, (laughs) that squirts water as well, magpies... Hate that, and they hate <laughs> bow ties that spin around so every wait, time you tell a joke. Tell me the best technique to get rid of a magpie <laughs> is to wear a flower in your shirt. The magpie comes up to sniff it. You squirt water in their face. Yeah, I think I think any flower, any anyway. If you dress like that, helicopter hat, um, <laughs> lapel flower that squirts water and a spinning bow tie, flower, magpies will not want to go near you just because you're such a loser. <laughs> So you're safe. Anyway, there you go. The more you know here on All Day Breakfast. I smell toast. Well, thank you very much for joining us here on All Day Breakfast. Thank you to Shane from uh, the Neighbours Writing Crew for having a chat to us. Um, Although it looks like I have to lift my game in the Salacious Stakes map. Yeah, quite literally. Get started. Um, also, thank you to John Safra, an absolute legend, for joining us as well. Uh, thank you to everyone who submitted a mind-blowing fact. You can always hit us up at matt.and.alex. And if you have a neighbour's idea that you want us to pitch to Shane, yep. then get on board at matt.and.alex right now. It's a group project. We got, we're all in it together. Uh, let's wrap this bad boy up now and catch you for another big episode of All Day Breakfast tomorrow. Cheers for hanging out and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Got something to add to the show? Slide into our DMs at matt.and.alex. Listener.